People's Poetry Podcast with me, Jimmy Bowman. Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode two of series seven of People's Poetry Podcast. Thank you for being here. This is the poetry and spoken word podcast that follows me, Jimmy Bowman, a teacher and poet myself, as I wander the UK to chat to a range of poets and explore the UK's love affair with poetry. Now, this podcast is not just for those who are already into poetry. Our mission, my mission, is to show you that there is poetry for all walks of life and there is something out there written for you. We continue our open mic segment in series seven and we have a return voice a fan favorite a podcast favorite the wonderful leanne moden has sent us in this piece called siren song siren song the clamoring of rooks among the trees reminds me of the sirens on the shore whose raucous songs were blatant augury of omens too pernicious to ignore The scream of sirens on the motorway reminds me of the sirens on the shore, a devastating ending to the day. Those birds will seek the car crash carrion. The scream of sirens on the motorway, a call as bright and clear as clarion, inviting us to seek our own demise. Those birds will seek the car crash carrion. Like erisython, nothing satisfies the calling void, obsession quantified, inviting us to seek our own demise. The war inside my head is amplified. The clamouring of rooks among the trees. The calling void, obsession quantified whose raucous songs are blatant augury. This episode's featured guest was the wonderful Francisca Matos, one of the winners of the Right Bloody UK submissions process last year. We spoke about her amazing debut collection, Hard Summer, writing about memories, writing about adolescence, and of course, navigating her way through that Right Bloody UK process. Today, I am joined by Francisca Matos, and we're going to talk all about a stunningly good collection, Hard Summer, that came out on Right Bloody UK. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. How have you been? I mean, um, you're you're not in the UK at the minute, are you? Uh, no, yeah, I've been good. I left the UK a couple of weeks ago for good. Uh, now I'm just at home uh, in Lisbon before I fly to the US more sun than we're having at the minute it's been rain 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 at the moment we had like a freak heat wave and now it's just back to business back to british rain british summertime <laughs> yeah is there what's the lockdown restrictions like there are they, is it the same as here is everything open again or are you no not everything is open again but restaurants are but they've had they have some weird rules that only on the weekends you need to show a test in restaurants so oh, uh, every government no, no. Every, every government seems to have these weird rules and i don't understand the logic behind any of them no it's been a year i feel like they should have figured out how this works by now 100 yeah. percent. let's talk about uh your journey into poetry so i usually ask guests on here not um not sort of how did you get into poetry but can you remember the first time you were aware of poetry was it like a single poem or was there a specific moment but can you pinpoint the first first time you were aware of poetry um so in school we've always kind of read poetry it was portuguese poetry um but just like anything you read in school you kind of don't pay too much attention to it and yeah. it kind of yeah it never really pulled me <laughs> towards it uh it was only in uni, towards like end of high school and then in uni that I actually came across contemporary poetry and you know I feel like everyone says like American poetry and some most some people find it through slam online and things like that um yeah I just found those videos online and then because I studied literature and like American studies I kind of was just in contact with it and then yeah. started researching things on my own and finding out voices. But the first time um, that something actually like called to me, I think it was an Olivia Gatwood poem. 
I feel like this is a very common thing happening to yeah, yeah. A young girl on the internet. Yeah, a lot of people uh, reference Olivia Gatwood. To be fair, yeah, um, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head as well with like poetry in schools. So we've had this conversation on the podcast before, but there's just there's not enough contemporary poetry, is there, to to sort of interest students at that age? It is all sort of this Victorian stuff. And in school, you're always at least in high school for us, you're kind of taught to memorize facts and things instead of, and you're not encouraged to actually read yeah. the poems or read the texts. That's a very it good point. Makes a big difference. Yeah, definitely. So, so you, you got into it at uni and then is that when you started writing? Was that your sort of transition period into becoming a writer rather than just someone who reads it? Or were you always someone who sort of wrote down little things in books? No, I didn't write at all. I just read. Uh, I kind of only started writing at the end of my degree when I put in my head that I wanted to do a creative writing master's. Um, I was all set to do a master's in um, like film or American studies, just sort of continue what I was already doing. And then, I don't know, something clicked and Mm. I decided I wanted to do something on my own. And I guess I've been, I was, I was reading contemporary poetry and just, you know, contemporary literature for a while now. And I just decided, I just, oh, actually, another thing, I, I did a poetry workshop in the summer at my university. It was one of my teachers and um, an American poet, David Gawanter, um, that she had met when she was teaching abroad and that was my first um, time in a workshop setting and talking about poems and writing and dissecting. And because I had to write for that workshop, that kind of kickstarted it. Um, and that was like my last, it was the summer before my last year of uni. So then my last year of uni, I, just, I was just preparing. I just decided that that's what I wanted to try to do. So I was just preparing to apply to unis in the UK. I was going to say, you've done... Um like writing creatively as something you've studied haven't you you mentioned your, your MA there whenever someone comes on who's who's been to university and studied writing I always ask you know about about how how they felt it's helped them and their writing especially for someone like yourself who does write a lot about memories or place like how do you feel studying writing helped you sort of craft these memories on the page do you think it had quite a big impact yeah, no, it was really important. And um, I mean, I you can definitely write poetry without studying it at school. You can write whatever without studying it. But for me, it was what I needed. Like I really needed the structure and to actually do it. Um, and it was super helpful to have, you know, tutors would just like talk to you about about your work, who'd ask important questions, maybe just, you know, for me, like they would just call me out, <laughs> which yeah. was what I needed. I just needed someone to be like, there's something you're trying to say, but you're not actually saying it. Or they would just, sometimes they wouldn't say anything and just be like, what do you think this poem is doing? And then, you know, I, I, I didn't have anywhere to hide. So that's a good thing. Yeah. And then just sort of, being in a workshop setting, it was my, it was the first time I was actually in contact and, and, you know, around people who also wrote, because I didn't have that sense of community or, yeah, I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it. Mm. And being around people who actually took it really seriously also made me take it really seriously. Um, I guess I was just sort of hiding and when you're in that setting, you can't, which yeah. is good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess it's like growing up uh, in, in the suburbs. I don't know about you, but for me, there's absolutely nobody that I knew that was into poetry as well. It's just such a no. thing, or, write, or writing in general, just nobody did it, really. Everyone was too busy sort of going into the city or trying to have a good time, I guess. Yeah, and, and yeah, no one really likes to talk about what, they, what they're really passionate about, like, you know. Yeah. It's sort of your thing and you keep to yourself yeah so i was first aware of your work obviously we've mentioned it briefly already but through right bloody uk and their submissions process which was 
was a bit of a riot, wasn't it? It was just there was yeah. some, there's some, some good people that got uh, shortlisted, but me and you both made it to the shortlist of 20, didn't we? We had to do a video, and obviously your video, Home Team, I thought was was brilliant. I really liked the way it was shot as well. Sort of, it, it, it complemented the poem. Yeah, it was it was just gentle. It was very nice, and I feel like it was quite dreamy as well, and I feel like that's a good adjective for your collection is dreamy, hard summer. Yeah, how did you find that? that submission process it was uh it's quite like like you just said then it it almost gave me a kick up the behind to actually get stuff written as well because we had to submit was it 20 poems in the end I think 20 yeah that's it's yeah. a lot of poems yeah. yeah yeah how did you find that process <laughs> yeah um I submitted to the first uh like submission round um the end of the summer I honestly wasn't thinking about it too much uh I didn't know you know um I was just going to try that was the, I think the only place I submitted and then yeah we made it to the long list and Fern asked for 20 poems and a video and it has to be a video of you reading which I wasn't very comfortable with um just because I'm not a I'm not I don't come from slam I don't come from same um, same like, performative poetry yeah. I don't know if that's what it's called um like I've I read I've been reading and I used to read at open mics sometimes um but it's not the same as being a performer mm. um I'm not necessarily the most comfortable person in front of the camera so I wanted to do something different and yeah the idea of doing kind of like a short film of um short film for one of my poems had always been there and I guess it was the opportunity to do it um it's not it wasn't a professional thing at all I just had um I just asked my friends to do it with me and they had a camera and and yeah my friend um Ricardo he's a musician so and he does really beautiful like ambient tracks mm. so I asked him to do one for me all the shots are kind of copied from movies I like. I didn't even try to be original. Like, <laughs> not, I didn't make that up. I was just... Intertextual. It's fine. Intertextual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's sort of a note to those movies I, I really like. And yeah, it all came together. The 20 poems I used were the ones... You know, it came at a good time because I was just submitting my final portfolio for the MA. And it was 20 poems. So that's... All I had yeah. and that's exactly what I sent to them there was nothing else that I had um so yeah it turned out okay <laughs> yeah definitely and once you got the the news that your book was going to be made how quick was the turnaround because I mean there's, there's there's a lot more than 20 poems in in the final book isn't there yeah a super quick uh my deadline was at the end of March so right. uh it was super busy time I was finishing freelance work I was um applying for more grad school um but like as we said it was like the kick that I needed uh, I just sat down um I, I took it really seriously it was I think it was the first time that I started actually having a routine mm. that was definitely something I learned with this whole process was to have a routine yeah um, you know I bought a desk <laughs> I sat it sat like in, in my desk every day and yeah, it just really forced me to really dig deep. And because you're in control, there was again nowhere else, nowhere to hide. And you know, because you want to be happy with it and you want to say everything you want to say. Yeah. So I just decided not to hide and just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to get down to the book launch, but I couldn't make it. But I see all the um the videos and it looked uh it looked like a, a good night. It was pretty packed out. Was it Deptford or am I imagining that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was in Deptford. Yeah. It was at this gallery um, called Deptford Does Art. Uh, we sold out for the capacity, especially because of COVID. And yeah, it was really nice. It was all my friends were there, which is yeah. good. It was all people I knew. Yeah. Uh, it was comfortable and fun. Yeah. It looked lovely. I was going to go back to your earlier point, but you know, the videos of you reading on stage, I was going to say, you look pretty comfortable for someone who, uh, who don't like to be up on a stage reading your poems. No. Yeah. I think once I was there, I just was very focused. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
yeah I, I didn't really prepare I was sort of in denial <laughs> until a few hours before and that's when it hit me oh no this is actually very important yeah no, like you know I gotta do it and it I'm, turned out fine I think it's just like fight or flight mode where you just go oh yeah for that's sure it. yeah it's kind of like in school presentations I don't know if you remember where you just when you like you go back to your seat and you have no idea what you said mm. yeah it reminds me of the first first day I was a teacher and you got 30 people just I mean I know they're small people but you're like ah oh, they they think I know everything and I don't yeah. <laughs> uh yeah no I'm the same as you if I go on a on stage I I, I admire performance poets for for want of a better word but like who can remember all their poems and I have to have like my book or a piece of paper or something with yeah. it on I, I kind of like that though I, I feel like yeah. I, can, I can hide I've got company up there it's it's nice yeah. but um yeah I don't think there's anything also their body language is incredible <laughs> yeah definitely it's like I wish my body did those things like your body <laughs> that uh that video for right bloody that we had to do I was the same as you I was like there's no way I can remember a three-minute poem so that's it why was I ha- amazing but it was so professional <laughs> again it was just my mate from school he he's like that's what he does he's so he, he brought his camera out and i just said can we go back to where we grew up but that's why we did it in chunks so i didn't have to sit there <laughs> and remember yeah. each, each bit i could just remember a few lines but yeah but let's talk uh hard summer because honestly i do think it is stunning i love this book and i said to you before we recorded i'm quite excited to talk to you about a few things because there's a lot of similarities for stuff i love reading stuff I love writing and sort of the area I grew up in as well even though different countries for anyone who hasn't read it yet how would you describe this collection um so my book is um well it's obviously poetry but it's sort of a memoir um it's a coming of age story it's set in the suburbs of Lisbon where I'm where I grew up but also in Lisbon so there's that movement of um, traversing, of going from going from the suburbs to the city, and then to the city, back to the suburbs, because um, you know, if you live, you know, in the periphery, you know that at the end of the day or at the end of the night, you always have to come back yeah. home. So in that sense, it's very much connected to belonging. You only belong to you know the city or outside so much because you're not actually from there so it also explores that um also explores memory itself um and girlhood and just um just the way just the ways um just the shapes violence can take and yeah, it has three moments. Yeah, I said. Yeah, so yeah, that's how it. Me and uh, me and Fern were messaging the other day, and I was talking about it, and she sort of hit the nail on the head, and she said, "Uh, I said dreamy already, but it reads like one long sort of dreamy piece almost, which is what I kind of love about it. But you still have that by dreamy. I think there is still that movement, as you said, because you can sort of you go from you know, maybe uh, a really intricate memory of summer to then, you know, death. And then all of a sudden we're in the city and then we're back to the suburbs. So, but yeah, I think, I think it's a, it's a brilliant collection. I've seen that you said in interviews that you've done before, you know, that you like writing narrative poems specifically about memories, stuff like that. How do you find navigating these memories and committing them to paper? Cause when I write about things in my teenage years, sometimes I'm I'm almost trying to fact check whether I'm actually making something up because it does seem like a while ago now. Like it seems like a different lifetime. It wasn't that long ago. It's probably like what, 10, 15 years ago for me, but, but I'm, yeah, I'm kind of, I don't know. It's, it's an odd process because I want to get these memories down, but I also want to do them justice. So how, how do you find sort of navigating your memories and committing them to the page? Yeah, it, that's really difficult. That's, uh... I feel like the writing the book was a whole learning process on how to deal with memory mm. and just um so when I was in the MA and I was writing so in some of the poems I began writing the MA they look much different they look very different now but um the feedback I was getting 
was that, you know, they were very superficial. I wasn't going in enough. I would get feedback like, there's something happening here, but you're not saying it. And, and they were right. And when I started the MA, I was like, oh, I want to write poems about my friends, but I can just do that because you, you won't have a good poem. Mm. You know, that you can't just write about that. At least I couldn't. And, um, you know, being, as I, as I was saying, being in control of what, of your book. And, you know, I, I wanted to make things, I wanted to make it right. I wanted to look and sound right. I wanted to, you know, I, so I just had to dig deep uh, and go and, you know, you just, you just honor the memory because memories aren't facts and, you know, there's no truth. Mm. That's what I learned. There's no really, there's not really one truth. You remember things a certain way. Someone else is going to remember the same thing in a different way. And they're both true. Yeah. And we have your memories. Uh, so that's something that I got out of the way. And that just allowed me to write what I was feeling, what I was thinking. I didn't feel like I had to fact check. Of course, you know, when there's some poem, there's some bits about my family where I was like, I don't actually remember if this happened, but I think it did. So I just went with that. Mm. And because even if it didn't happen in real life, that's in my mind. And so it did in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just have to honor that. And they, everything can exist. I think everything is true. So that's what I did. And then... Uh, because, you know, I had to write a lot of poems. Um, every time I'd write a set, like, you know, 10 poems, I would print everything out and rearrange them on the floor. And then I could actually see, oh, I'm, I haven't talked about this. And because the book is kind of in a chronological order. Right, okay. Um, I was like, oh, this also happened. This is imp it's important for the story. Because you have to treat your life as a story if you're writing a narrative. Yeah about it um yeah so that really helped it's interesting i like that idea memories aren't facts you just gotta go with it like because that's how you remember it you're right i guess i guess everyone remembers things differently don't they as well yeah, yeah. you talk obviously uh about the suburbs because you know most of it is set in, in the suburbs and i'm i was surprised at the parallels between sort of where i grew up in a london suburb and the suburbs around lisbon because you know over here in the rain we probably think oh, the suburbs in Lisbon are much you know much nicer but there seems to be well like like you get with all the suburbs it's sort of sleepy village feel but also there is more life than if you lived in the country for example in the countryside there's still stuff happening in the suburbs but I also get this feeling through your work that there's this you know fancier and posh side of of town but then there's also this sort of more gritty almost city-like side to, to the suburb which is very similar to where I grew up so is that was that the case in the suburbs you grew up as well yeah yeah completely it's yeah. Uh, it has both it can be extremely fancy and posh and I definitely went to school with you know kind of people from that side not that I come from a gritty place at all I, I don't but mm. I'm just always sort of in the middle and yeah you always get it's it, it yeah it's both um and yeah so I get it's sleepy but because there's nothing else you kind of have to make things up you kind of have to create things for yourself so you, what you end up doing is creating you know these like spaces or groups of friends and they and you have your own and they work in a very specific way and that's what I wanted to show yeah no, it definitely, it definitely came through. Like I said, where where I grew up, there's there's a two mile gap between the uh, estate that I grew up on and went to school in, and then literally two miles up the road is a like a private uh, like a park where the mansions basically and footballers live there and stuff like that. And I, I just think it's mental that these two worlds sort of coexist under the it's same so town. It, it, it's yeah, it's always thrown me a bit that. What is it about? that time in your life so adolescence I guess is what I'm asking that appeals to you so much because I'm exactly the same as you I don't know why perhaps I've romanticized it more 
you know, I mean, it goes back down to memory again, doesn't it? But in my head, it was the best of times and the worst of times. But if I could go back and do sort of like 15 to 19 again, I would be all over that. I'd love to go and relive that age. What is it about you that appeals to you so much about, about writing about adolescence? Well, you know, I, <laughs> it's still very close to me. Um, um, but I don't know. I just, I just like how it's just so universal but also so specific and I kind of like that um just that you know relationship I like that it's I just like to see how things work and I think um there's just so much I don't know there's just so much thing there's just so much there there's so um I think teenagers just know how to I don't know, just this whole thing of like learning how to feel things or learning how to think about things and figuring that out. It's, it's just so interesting to me. Yeah. Um, it's like boredom is interesting to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, there's a, I feel like in a, a lot of your poems in the collection, there's a lot of a theme of like almost hanging around or waiting. Yeah, um, there's this waiting. Exactly. There's there's this waiting for for thing for something you're always looking out for something that's mm. well maybe never coming i don't know if you're lucky something will happen you know but a lot of people stay a lot of people stick around um yeah there's always this this anticipation that i really like because i think that's where really interesting things happen or yeah really intense things happen in that way and I, th yeah. I think because because you have so much time as a teenager waiting and hanging around that like you, you you think about things far more than you do as an adult perhaps and that's perhaps why you get these intense emotions because as a teenager you're feeling you know love and things like that probably for the first time properly I imagine mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of when you start paying attention to things yes um, yeah you know and it, when you're bored it's and you have nothing to do you have time and time is so important. Yeah. So it's because that's when everything happens, when you can figure things out and think about things and just explore and really feel. So I think it's a good time. I think it's a good time in life. I definitely romanticize it, but I try not to do that too much in mm. the book. Like, but yeah, I definitely romanticize it. Um, I just think it's a good time. I just think it's a great time. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Probably because I'm just clinging on to my 20s just about still. So probably miss it even more now, don't I? Um, you've, you've mentioned film already. There's there's obviously a lot of reference to film in the collection as well. Uh, you know, titles like um, Director's Cut uh, and Deleted Scenes. And you've got like some film titles in there as well, haven't you? yeah. Is yeah. that is that because that was something you was interested in beforehand as well, or is that because it was also a big part of of your teenage sort of years film? Yeah, it's just a big part of my life, really. Um, I love film. I studied it at uni. Um, I just love it. I, it's just yeah. how I I watch a lot of films. I love reading about it. I love um, watching people. You know, hear people talk about it. Uh, it's just a medium that I really connect with. I'm a very visual person and I read a lot, but watching films also helps me write um, a lot. I'm just really interested in that. And I want, and it's also just how I think about things. And I think part of romanticizing things, uh, part of how I romanticize things is very much like that, like, watching it all unfold like thinking about how it should look yeah on the page but also visually um so yeah i wanted to you know um include that in the book it's really it would be weird if i didn't um yeah. uh with titles like with the titles that are after um movies that was in direct response to movies i was either you know that was either like shown in class or that I came across and I connected with them in some way or it's just me trying to find a connection 
because um, that's just how I try to understand things. Just trying to make, you know, build bridges between me and, you know, the movie. And with titles, like with poems, like director's cut, it's very much a call out for me to stop doing, to stop um, maybe romanticizing or looking at it, you know, mm. as a film. Because um, I said, you know, the, the book is, has three different moments. One is very much memories about, you know, in the suburbs. Then the second part is in the city, of course, always coming back. And the third is very much now looking back and just my relationship with those things now. And director's cut was just pointing at that, pointing to that, that I, you know, it's about like how the way I see things and how maybe I don't need to do that like that anymore. Yeah. yeah. The film, I think, uh, film something i've i've started appreciating more i've always loved film and like watching film growing up and that but i started last year teaching a level film and so it's just, oh, really? it's just like really blown, yeah it's just sort of blown my mind a bit like all the uh, like alter theory and like talking to the the kids about you know getting them to watch old classics like hitchcock or uh some like it hot and stuff like that it's been it's been quite cool to to sort of dive into film a bit more but so i can appreciate i wish i could do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's quite nice because i do english literature for half the day so i'm doing poems and then the other half is now spent doing film which is uh, a the best (laughs) yeah which is quite cool usually when i have guests on i'll pick a few poems from the collection um that i really really enjoyed uh and you know if there's a couple that you wanted to talk about that'd be amazing obviously we spoke about home team which you had the the video for as part of the submission process but i loved uh it must have been june i loved euro cup 2016 i think my favorite three in the whole collection was you know youth is invaluable because i think you absolutely nailed some of the like iconography you associate with teenage years like kitchen parties the party is always in the kitchen isn't it slumped bodies on sofas being in love with 20 people exactly I, I thought they were all great where we live was probably my favorite poem just because i think and you've said it already the word universal and there are there again this this sort of universal imagery in there for me it was the lion uh what's more love than not asking questions and passing the controller instead because i think even if you're not into video games everybody has sat in a room haven't they with you know just not speaking and just watching yeah um i thought that was brilliant and where were you that summer is what i call a poet's poem because the imagery in it is just so vivid and so intricate i I was like ah it's one of those poems that makes you jealous when you read it you go no i need to make my my poetry better but yeah i I love those poems thank you so much oh we can talk about where we live yes Um, well so as we were talking about when you sort of when there's nothing really going on Mm. you sort of create things for yourself and for us it's this house it's someone's in you know someone always has the house where for everyone to meet yeah i feel like that's something really universal so i wanted to talk about that just our second home um and yeah and the poem is about that and just sort of the, the ritualistic nature of living in that kind of house. And, mm. and um, yeah, the, the video game thing. Yeah. It's always happens like that. You're right. It's a, it's like two people playing the video games and then everyone around them is just yes. watching and no one's really talking. Um, I feel like, I'm really interested in this kind of, yeah, this kind of love that it's not, it's non-verbal because I feel like, you know, at least for me, the people I'm always trying to, it might be this will sound wrong, but the people I'm always trying to impress are my friends. Mm. I feel like, you know, it's these people that you, that you hold to, such a you know they're they're your people and you know it's in it's in, it's in, it's embarrassing to fail in front of them it's uh which is ridiculous because it's like the clo- the people that are closest to you 
but because you want to because they're the the most important people to you you kind of feel ashamed of yeah. you know maybe sharing things or uh sharing what you've do what you're doing or things you like and i like i'm interested in that relationship yeah it's like you love each other so much but no one really says it and you don't need to yeah it's just it's just it's just shown in um different ways like passing the remote the controller <laughs> yeah 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 no i loved it i think i think you're right but when when a group forms even though it when i say the word status i don't mean like oh yeah your street credibility in front of each other but there automatically becomes a sort of hierarchy in any sort of friendship group and you don't want to lose face by by you know saying something too too nice or too soppy to, to someone and like you said there doesn't need to doesn't need to be said either does it yeah yeah so it's about sort of that silent um, yeah. respect and love and also yeah yeah I love the the idea as well that uh, people can read that poem and instantly everyone will be transported back to that second house. So for me, when I read it, it was my mate Liam's house. Liam's house was just the place we went. There was a little coffee table. There was a settee and an armchair. And that is where everyone just sat and watched like Liam and Dave play video games. And I, I love poems like that where, you know, it's been written because it is a a specific memory or place to to the poet but it is incredibly universal i think those poems are amazing thank you yeah yeah i, I get totally get what you mean the euro cup one i mean this was a, a good year to start performing that as well i guess yeah i mean <laughs> we didn't get make, made it very far um, no. but yeah no it was a good yeah yeah it, it gives you an intro <laughs> <laughs> definitely so we we didn't made it <laughs> You guys almost did. I was rooting for you. Oh, I'm not talking about it. I'm <laughs> still not talk about it. <laughs> I'm still not talking about it. I can't believe it. I mean, what? That's the first men's final I've seen in my lifetime. I think it's the first men's final my dad's seen in his lifetime. That's how long it's been. Yeah, I was watching with uh, British people, and I I got really emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so sad. I really wanted. Um, you know, it was such a great time for us. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. You ask anyone about, you know, summer 2016 and like where they were, they'll tell exactly where they were. We still haven't forgotten it. it I, there's, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's very, it was a very special time. Um, so in Euro Cup 2016, uh, yeah, it's a poem about how, when, about when we won the Euro Cup. Um, it was very, surprising for us um you know it, it wasn't a good you know it was everything was against us in that game and I don't particularly care about football except when it's you know a big uh cup yeah 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 <laughs> you know, I, I was just gonna <laughs> straight up admit that um I don't really <laughs> care about football when it's just uh when it's not like you know the national team and I, it's not like I'm a big fan of like the big displays of nationalism at all but it was it, it all just it was just a very good night and the days that followed it were just a big party and just something changed mm. uh, around us and that was very special to um to watch and to live and to be in um so yeah i wrote this poem about that time, but also about um, me and where I was and my friends were, and that we all just we were all in we were all in our you know specific situations, um, but and we all in some way needed that to happen, needed you know kind of a miracle to happen yeah. to just sort of change that and it happened and it's a poem about that <laughs> yeah, yeah i think it's great i think it captures as you said that um it's almost like euphoria isn't it because because you're right people that aren't into football the minute there's a sort of global competition or european competition uh, something in the air there is just something in the air and people 
you know, are quite nice. People start mixing. You know, I remember this Euros, I met loads of Danish fans in London, like, because they just all, they were all out with their shirts on. And yeah, it's just, there's something nice about it, even if you're not into football. But yeah, I think uh, the poem captures that, that sort of whatever it is in the air, captures that, that moment. And, you know, it also, it's also about belonging in some way. Because yes. when, when it's the whole country, you're in it too. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was good to like, you know, belong to some, everyone was, everyone belonged there. And yeah. I feel like a lot of us were in that summer, maybe always, are always like looking for that feeling and like searching for that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there because there's, I don't know about uh, your country, but in this country, there's any time other than, uh, you know, the, the Euros or the World Cup, there's this big north-south divide. And it's it's always nice that the sort of north and the south come together for the, for the World Cup or the Euros. And then it's back to business. In the, yeah. <laughs> in the, I'm like, oh, that didn't last long. But yeah, All right. <laughs> so I like to ask, guests about a bit about their writing process towards the the end of the episode i've had some some great responses i've been nicking little bits for myself as well i mean you, you talked about routine uh which is key for for the way you write but what once you've written that poem and you've got the first draft uh and say you put it away for a bit when when you come to edit it for the first time what's the first thing you genuinely like to do with a poem well um I'm going to be honest. I don't edit a lot because um, because I I edit as I'm writing because mm -hmm. I just it takes a long time for me to write to actually type the poem. But once I typed it, it's nearly done because um, I'm trying to not do this. So maybe don't do this because <laughs> um, I just don't do drafts. I, right. I'm I don't know why I'm. It always has to, yeah, maybe this is a language thing. Um, and because I'm not writing in my own language, but every time I'm writing a poem, it needs to, I, I take so long because it needs to sound right and I need the right words. And so when I finish writing, it's nearly done because I, you know, I was editing as I, as I was writing it. Um, I don't know why I don't free write. I, I, that's something I'm going to try to do more. I feel like I need that agility, which I don't have nailed yet. Um, but for the book, yes. Yeah, so I just wrote everything and then I left it and I went back to it and just um, try to do like one final round of edits. I always read it out loud. That's something I would say is really important for me. Um, it needs to sound right because there's a lot of movement in my poems. Mm. So um, I need to uh, sort of time it right. It, the timing needs to be right um, in the way it sounds. If I'm reading out loud and it doesn't sound right, I cut the word. Um, yeah, I would say reading things aloud is important. Um, yeah, I don't know what else. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on, on the sort of editing as you go though like i i mean i, I do do drafts now but mm -hmm. the free writing i struggle with because i'm i'm constantly going back and that's not the point is it in a free write you're yeah. supposed to just spew on the page but it was only i think it was the first lockdown so what's that last march that's um I don't know if you know Laurie Bolger, but she she does some sort of online creative writing workshops sometimes, which are really good. So if, if people listening haven't checked that out, check those out. But uh, yeah, I did one one of hers, and it's, that's the first time I'd really given free writing a go, and like it was good. But I kept, as I said, going backwards and trying to. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to discipline myself now to just not think and write and see what comes out because I guess that can be kind of interesting. But it is difficult because as a poet. I think you're right. You want to make sure it sounds right and you've got the perfect word. So everything counts. Yeah. I always obsess over everything. And, you know, I usually know how it starts or how it ends. Um, so then I just sort of fill it out. Um, but yeah, with this book, there was routine because I had to, there was, um, 
there was a deadline yeah and a lot of poems to write and yeah but and I only write when I actually have something I want to say I I don't I don't sit in the computer and write things Mm. that I'm not like thinking about or I don't know I take a long a lot of time to think about things and to read and you know watch movies live be with friends uh, and then I go back I don't force myself to write every day because it wouldn't it wouldn't be good um I don't think maybe it would help but right now I don't think it would would. I don't know but I'm trying I I should free write I need to break out of (laughs) those like barriers you know me and you both that's our that's our homework for the summer then yeah to to free write (laughs) when do you think right this poem is finished how how do you know when a poem is finished I don't. I abandon it. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, I don't know. I, it's just a feeling um, yeah. about it. There's always that thing, you know, poems are never finished. They're abandoned, which I guess is right. Um, you know, you can only, if I was going to re- I could write this book next year and it would look a lot differently. Mm. Um, but right now this is what I have and this is how I think about things and this is how I want to show things. So, you know, just have to trust that it, it, you know, it's all, it all can, it can all exist. This, yeah, there's no right way, I think. So I guess when it, when it it right now, (laughs) yeah. When it represents what's in your head and you think that's that's how you're thinking about it i mean it's a difficult question that's why i ask it because everyone has such a <laughs> such a varied response to that question i'm being deliberately uh provocative with the questions i guess yeah. um, fern goes last round of edits no more <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> when's the poem finished when fern says so there you go <laughs> the last question i usually finish up with again massively broad question but we're sat here 2021 we're talking about poetry for almost an hour. Lots of people are still so invested in poetry as a form of literature. Why, in your opinion, do you think poetry is, you know, still such a has such a draw, such an appeal to people? Oh my god! <laughs> um, finish big, see ya. Finish big. Oh god! Uh, <laughs> I think it's just you know it's kind of a mir- a miraculous form, right? In it's not there's not a lot of words there's not it's not a huge text and you can just say so much so i like so i think maybe the contain because it's so contained Mm. it's and it's so contained but there can be so many so much movement in it and so many images and you can tell a whole story in a poem and i don't know for me that's what (laughs) that's what i really like and that's what calls to me um, because you know, you know, this book wouldn't work as a novel. No one would read this, <laughs> you know. Um, but when you concentrate really specific, when it's because it's so concentrated, and it's and at least you know, in my case, in the po- the poetry I like to read are very much these really concentrated snapshots of something. Mm. Um, I don't know. It just does something to you. Uh, yeah. I don't know. No, I think you hit it now on the head. It's it's like because it is so concise, every word packs a punch more than you know the not words in novels. Like there's lots of words that just are there and they don't really mean much. But in poetry, as you said, you know every word has been thought about, considered, and gone. Right, that is the best word for it. And there's lots of double meanings and everything's very ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. And you know with. Uh performance poetry sound poetry it's just so amazing to watch right it's just rhythmic and it's just like a song and it's just so you know it's so close to yeah like music that you're immediately drawn to it Um, it's it's mesmerizing isn't it it's it's almost like hypnotizing you with with language yeah yeah I think that was a good answer. I think you did the question justice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what's next for you? Obviously, you're in Lisbon again now. Uh, yeah, I'm in Lisbon until the end of the month, and then I move to New York. I am going to do more school. <laughs> I'm going to do an MFA in poetry at Sarah Lawrence. It's two years. Uh, I'm going to write some more. 
I'm going to take other classes as well. And yeah. Or other things, maybe. Yeah, so more writing, more school. <laughs> more writing, more school. So hopefully another collection down the line. That would be, be, yeah. <laughs> be good to read. I'm supposed to go on a school trip to New York. But they've, oh, they've, amazing. They've cancelled it next year. So it'll be the year after. So if you're still out there and, yeah. you're, and you're performing, I'll um I'll give you a shout. I'll come, come check we'll you out. A performance together. <laughs> let's do it let's do it where um where can people find you on social media uh if they want to follow your work um i'm mostly active on instagram i'm not very active anywhere but i'm i'm on instagram it's uh, at uh sishka so but with two c so c-c-i-s-c-a and yeah so instagram's a place to go i i know what you mean i, I have to force myself to post things on instagram <laughs> i'm so bad francisca thank you so much it's been a uh, lovely to sit down and chat really enjoyed hard summer if you haven't head over to right bloody uk grab yourself a copy you won't regret it thank you for chatting thank you so much for having me and here is francisca kindly reciting a piece from hard summer called and where were you that summer and where were you that summer i was wide awake Tearing oranges apart, pulp and dirt under my fingernails, stuffing slices into everyone's mouths, hoping to be loved the right way. My hands always sticky, my skirts always too short to climb onto rooftops, but the boys pulled me up so I could have a taste of the city, the real one. That was the summer my girls were gone, the summer I scaled trees like I'd spent my whole life doing it, dangling my bare legs in the dark until a cop made us come down. Ignoring the boys and looking directly at me, telling me to go home as if he knew I didn't belong there, never would, kissing in the shadows, trying to outgrow something I could not name. I already knew then you could only keep up with so much. That come fall, I would stop talking to the boys and by winter avoid the parks we slept in altogether. Years later, I'm peeling oranges for people I might love. I am wide awake. There's a green fire escape in the back of my mind, an empty bench, a fountain that's since dried out. And I think I want to be there again, but all I want is the memory, this roundness heavy in my hands. A massive thank you as always to you at home for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please do share it with a friend. You can find us on Instagram at People's Poetry Podcast, over on Twitter at People underscore Poetry. You can find us on Facebook, People's Poetry Podcast. I'm on Twitter, JBO, that's JBO Pens Poems. And you can email us if you want to get involved with the show. If you're a poet yourself and you'd like to sit down and chat or social media just don't cut the mustard and you want to get in touch, it's peoplespoetrypodcast at hotmail.com. 